Noise department. A roommate of mine at the time worked for a local brew pub downtown in Salt Lake called Squatters. And it was a small little tiny operation. So I went down there one time and I was I was checking it out. I was like, man, he's got the full, he's got the boots, he's got the coveralls, he looks official. You know, I'm sitting there on the other side of the glass drinking a beer. I'm like, how do I get this job? He's getting paid for this. You know, I tried to angle instead of me paying for the beer, I get free beer and they pay me to make it. <laughs> <laughs> this is Thirst Trap, a beverage industry podcast. And I'm your host, Tracy Bradley. And today our guest is Tim Etter. He's yes. the owner of Tanea Creek Brewing Company, which just happens to be my favorite brewery in Las Vegas. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. But they're not just my favorite brewery. They're also family. It is a family. You know, everybody, all of our, all of our longtime regulars, all of the new patrons, and then even the, everybody who's ever worked at Tanea Creek is, is family. They're part of the family. And I've never worked there, but I've been your rep and I've been your friend. And Tracy, you've been around a long time. I've been around. <laughs> I've been around for And not a in a bad way, in a very, very good, positive way. You've well, been you. with us forever. So what is new at Tanea Creek? We just packaged our Oktoberfest. Yes. So it's that time of year where Oktoberfest is upon us. And you say, well, it's August. And it's like, if we don't get a jump on Oktoberfest, Nobody wants November Fest, so we've got to get going on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember selling, you know, we if we had any leftover Oktoberfest beers in our portfolio, we were supposed to market them as a Märzen and sell yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, n- nobody really went for it, but we sure gave it a good try. <laughs> <laughs> we had a um, we had a supplier. And I want to say it was an import. So it was from Germany. It was like Bex or somebody, you know, big, big brand. They had a few Oktoberfest kegs laying around the warehouse in November. So what they did is they pushed it off to the ski area up there, Lee Canyon, and then they served it as Winterfest. Oh, I probably had some of that, actually. I I, I had a lot of it. (laughs) I spent my fair share at Lee Canyon Ski Resort. Yeah, it's a fun mountain. And consequently, that was our first account. The, the first time we sold beer outside of our own place to uh, another retail establishment was Lee Canyon. Before that, it was all, you know, a, 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 a brewed on premises, sold on premises. That's where we got our distribution start. You're all over the United States now, aren't you? Well, not all over the United States, but we're all over Nevada. Well, you're definitely all over Nevada for sure. <laughs> I thought we were going to take this nationwide at one point. Well, we went in. We did. We ventured into Arizona. We've gone into California. Um, the hardest part about going out of your own market is not knowing what the other market is doing with your brand. So uh, to give you an example, we went to Northern California, Sacramento. We had wide distribution, not in the Bay Area, but pretty much all of Northern California. Uh, did great on the first order. Second order was half of what they ordered the first time. And then, you know, on down the line and come to find out, uh, when we launched in Northern California, there were five breweries that opened the same week. Oh, And so that was at the time when everybody in the craft beer world was going hyper local. 
And, you know, a brand from another state didn't do as well as the new shiny toy. Yeah, I can see where that might be a challenge then. For oh, sure. it, was, it was difficult. We've, we, threw, we threw everything against the wall to see what would stick. And uh, we had to cut our losses <laughs> and pull back. Fair enough. We've got the anniversary party coming up in November. November. November 4th. November 4th. On yeah. my dad's birthday? We had, to, we had to move it up because when we normally do the anniversary party, it's always uh, the Saturday between the two openings at our location, each of our locations. So the first time in 1999 when we opened, it was November 15th, and then we moved. Seven years ago, we've been in the location we're in now, and when did we open the front door. We opened the front door down there on November 23rd. So it was the Monday before Thanksgiving that year in 2015. Mm -hmm. So there's always a Saturday in between those two dates. And that's when we chose to do our anniversary party this year. November 18th is the day of the F1 race. Right. Yes. So we kind of ruled that out and said, you know, the streets are going to be closed. Traffic's going to be mayhem. Everybody wants to stay home. Nobody wants to go near the strip or anywhere downtown. So we opted to move it up. Went the Saturday before, that's November 11th, uh, Veterans Day. Oh. And it's a three-day weekend, and a lot of people go out of town. So let's move it up again. November 4th, which is a Saturday. Do we have, is, can, can you give us any hints as to all the, all the fun things on draft that uh, we'll be tasting there? Well, I can, I can definitely tell you what we've done in the past. You know, right now it's still up in the air. We, I mean, we plan for it. The day before, we're still <laughs> fine-tuning a lot of the details. But, you know, we uh, procure a lot of special one-off beers, um, you know, things that we haven't tasted before, let alone any of our regulars or anybody else in the public. And we kind of do our own tap takeover, if you're familiar with that. you know, Just a you little. Know. I think I, I, I've, <laughs> done, I've done a, a couple of them at you, your You place. know anything about those? I do. <laughs> well, this is our tap takeover where all of the taps are Tanea's. We don't have any guest taps. So 28 faucets on tap at Tanea Creek. They're all ours. You know, and as well, you can imagine most of them are stuff, you know, that we've never done before. So we'll be, we'll be filling the, the list with uh, Tanea beers. Well, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Because I missed it last year. Every year it's awesome. I didn't, A, A, I didn't know about it. Oh. And then, and then that was the same day. Then I had committed to a Friendsgiving. Oh, right, 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 right. At my daughter Taryn's house. So, yeah. yeah this kind of frees things up a little bit because the week of Thanksgiving is kind of tough for a lot of people because of before and then after and during that, the, you know, just, it's difficult to kind of make plans especially this far out you know and if you've got friends or family in town or if you're going to do something that takes priority over what we're doing mm -hmm. so i think by moving it up to november 4th i think everybody's going to have a chance to come yeah i'm just i'm really looking forward to seeing what the guys in the brewery are doing this year cool that's always just so much fun oh it's it's a blast every year every year you know we we even surprise ourselves with some of the things that we do so you are from Utah and you started out in a brewery in Utah, correct? Yeah. And I can give you a, a quick summary of that. <laughs> Each time I tell the story, it keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And it's, uh, 
So I was originally born here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, I've been a lifelong resident, went to high school, graduated high school, went to the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. Uh, and, um, you know, it was kind of a, a, a eye opener. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what last call was until I moved up there. <laughs> and um, we've all been there. <laughs> so you got to plan ahead. And then another thing you got to plan ahead for if you move to Salt Lake City or anywhere in Utah is everything shuts down on Sunday, even the liquor stores. So you got to plan ahead and you got to, uh, you know, take that into consideration when, you know, you make your plans. All right, Sunday, liquor stores are closed. I better go on Saturday before they shut down. I moved up there while they still had mini bottles at restaurants, at a lot of bars did this too. Although the bars started going to a metered pour, but it's a one ounce shot. And they had to abide by that. And they had an audit and internally and, and the state would do it. Um, but back when I first moved there, they had these airline mini bottles and they sold you those. And you had to, they, they sold you the mixer too. So you had to mix your own drink at the table. <laughs> and a lot of that changed, especially once the Olympics came in 2002. Uh, they amended a lot of those laws. And I think even since then, the state of Utah has gone to a system where in a restaurant, the bartender behind the bar has to go behind a vestibule to make the cocktail. So there can't be any mixing of drinks out in the open where impressionable youth might be able to see this. <laughs> so, you know, you, and, and usually it's the chains, you know, but it's, it's all restaurants. You have to be either... If you're serving alcohol in the state of Utah, you have to be licensed as a restaurant or licensed as a drinking establishment. The drinking establishment doesn't need to serve food and there. It's, it's just a bar. But a restaurant that serves alcohol, they have to abide by this rule where the bartender goes behind and, and mixes cocktail. They, they call it the, the iron, iron Curtain. Well, actually, not the Iron, the Zion Curtain. The Zion Curtain. <laughs> Zion Curtain. And so they go back behind this curtain mix their drinks, and then they bring it out to the table. Um, so anyways, those are, the, those are the rules now. They've even got stricter uh, driving rules. Uh, oh, yeah. It's 0. 0.05 now, mm-hmm. so that's pretty much one beer and you can't drive. Um, I moved up there to go to University of Utah. The first major that I had was pre-architecture. I wanted to learn, you know, become an architect, basically. Well, that went out the window after the first year. And then I switched majors probably about three or four more times to like engineering. <laughs> I wanted mechanical engineering, civil engineering, structural engineering, you know, couldn't decide on any of that. A roommate of mine at the time worked for a local uh, brew pub downtown in Salt Lake called Squatters. And it was a small little tiny operation, you know, and we had uh, seven barrel fermenters and seven barrel brew house. It was small. And so I went down there one time and I was, I was checking it out. I was like, man, he's got the full, he's got the boots. He's got the coveralls. Um, he looks official, you know, and he had the tank open. He's cleaning one of the fermenters and, you know, I'm sitting there on the other side of the glass drinking a beer. I'm like, how do I get this job? He's getting paid for this. So, you know, I tried to angle instead of me paying for the beer, I get free beer and they pay me to make it. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. You know, long story short, it's already too long. 
I took what I learned at the University of Utah. I'd never even graduated, but I went to the University of Davis in California. They have a program for fermentation science yep. because of the viticulture, you know, Napa and Sonoma. They decided to expand into beer making. And uh, it's basically the science behind making beer specifically. You know, anaerobic respiration, which is all alcohol, but specifically, you know, how do you make beer? And uh, came back to Salt Lake, and one of my other friends was starting a brewery. And uh, I was like, well, cool. You know, count me in. And uh, he knew that I went to Davis and said, okay, all right, you know, we'll hire you eventually. He partnered up with another guy that had similar uh, business plans. They were comparing their business plans and said, okay, all right, let's go forward together. And they decided to call it Great Basin Brewing Company. Well, there's already a Great Basin Brewing Company in Sparks, Nevada. Yes. So they had to change their name. And then they decided on Uinta, which is a mountain range in Utah. And so we're going we're gonna to make this brewery. It's called Uinta. And, uh, you know, my buddy was like, hey, we really want you to, you know, come join us, you know. And uh, I was like, okay, all right. You know, I'm young and impressionable at that point and was helping them out with everything. It was, it was a real hands-on operation in the beginning because, yeah, we couldn't afford a lot of things. So started out with the tanks, got the, you know, we did most everything ourselves, had some plumbers, electrician friends. Then they, uh, they kind of finished their job and finished their work. We got license to, to brew for the first time. It's like, great, this is what we've been waiting for and working for. And uh, I'm up on a ladder one day, and I'm like, hey, uh, if I fall off this ladder, am I covered? <laughs> you guys kind of pay for like me twisting my ankle or whatever worse. And that was a wake-up call for them, and they started payroll the next week. So I, I was the first employee at this brewery in Salt Lake City called Uinta. I have not been to Uinta. I have been to Squatters and, oh, and Wasatch. Okay. Yeah, I've been to the brew pubs. Yeah, I won a sales contest, I'm going to say 2015, maybe 2016, possibly. Uh, so I went and uh, toured the brewery and made friends with the guys in the brewery. When you, when you see one brewery, you've seen them all. However, it's kind of like local culture. You know, like each employee contributes to what that brewery is all about, you know, and all across the country you can go and, you know, I visited a lot of breweries and there's a lot of breweries that I can't visit because I don't even know they exist yet. But, um, a lot of these older breweries that have been around for a long time, you get to know the people who work there and it's kind of like their signature almost, you know, it's like the people who work there make the place what it is. And that almost has an influence on the flavor of the beer. Well, yeah, I mean, just seeing, seeing the brewery, seeing, I mean, it's so interesting for me because I know your brewery inside and out, but then going and traveling elsewhere and touring other breweries, it's, they're all different. Everybody has their own different style. Everybody's unique. And I'm not saying that it's one way or the highway. It's just whatever works for you in this business pretty much. Absolutely. And that's one thing, you know, I'll never, you'll never hear me talk bad about another brewer just because of that very thing. You know, everybody does everything differently and it's kind of like, all right, well, that's, that's how they do it. And so, you know, you meet somebody from Tennessee, it's like, well, how are you guys doing it? Well, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, I never thought of that, you know? So sometimes you can bounce ideas off of them and, you know, you get, you can improve your own situation. Right. Absolutely. 
So then you left Uinta. Left Uinta, decided to move back home. I lived in Salt Lake City for nine years and, you know, got the idea as a family operation that, hey, you know what, we can start a brew pub here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, settled on this piece of land up in the northwest part of town across the street from the hospital at Mountain View. And uh, it was on the street, Tanea. So we decided to call the brewery Tanea. And it's like, well, wait a second. We can't just call it Tanea. It's like, all right, well, Tanea Creek, it's an Ansel Adams photo. And it's pretty famous. Okay, will anybody get it? No. <laughs> so we had to explain, you know, through the process of education, what Tanea Creek was, what Tanea Creek meant. Even put a framed picture right by the front door up there just to kind of remind people that's why we're Tanea Creek. That's that's good. That I mean, uh, I mean, if if you know photography and you're familiar with his work, then Absolutely. you'll get it. And if you <laughs> and it's it's not one of his more famous ones, so it's kind of like it flies under the radar as far as you know Ansel Adams. Most most people see the Half Dome or you know one of his other more famous ones, but Tanea Creek is you know kind of unique. And then you opened that original. The original location in 99? 99, November of 99, the 15th. I think that was a Monday. And you still going ever since. You, you basically have almost everybody that started. Well, well you have yes a lot. No. A lot of your people did. Yes. Most of our staff today has been with us since the old location. And then they decided to move down mm-hmm. and said, you know, I can't, you know, that, you know, and, and it's one of those things, you know, people have their own situations to you know you buy a car you start family you buy a house you know and it's like all right well who's coming with us pretty much everybody i don't know a lot of people that didn't come with you you know our business tanya creek's been through a lot of different evolutions Mm -hmm. so to speak we started out opened the doors had a brand new building we're like all right we're going to emphasize the food have a kitchen a nice you know menu going to bring in seafood from Hawaii. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people that lived around that area, we had a five mile radius of regulars, you know, it was great at first, you know, but like at that time, restaurants have about six months of being the new person on the block where everybody's going to come try you out. After six months, you have to change, adapt or go out of business. So that's when the real fun started. I remember when you had food. The food was good. The, uh, but it ultimately, we made the decision and said, you know, why did we get into this business? You know, we're brewers. We're not in a restaurant. I'd never worked in a restaurant in my life. So, you know, it was kind of an eye-opener, you know, sink or swim moment. And I was like, all right, I know what I don't like. <laughs> I don't like the food business. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it makes sense. And then you've been in the new location. This will be your eighth anniversary. This will be our eighth year in operation at the new place, 2015, the 23rd of November. Yeah, Anthony and I were just talking about that last week when I was in there. Yeah, time flies. Time flies. Yeah, I mean, like you've been in the building for 10 years, but open for business going on. It'll be eight in November. And I just, it really does fly. Time flies. From the time Uh, And we've been constant. You know, a lot of, and, and maybe that's why people are attracted to us is because, you know, we are constant and reliable on a lot of things have changed. I mean, we went through a pandemic. Right. You know, we had to shut down. I, I know. I came and visited in the, and bought beer. 
but did, you did the curbside thing. I did the curbside thing. Oh man, yeah, those were those were those were some tough days. <laughs> some dark days too. Yeah, and you had to have a hot dog or something with it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The, so you got back into the food business briefly. <laughs> we did, and I didn't want to, but the city made us do it. So, yeah. uh, but you know, once I realized what the city was trying to do, uh, City of Las Vegas really wanted us to open and said, "Here's the way you can do it." You know, you have to serve a food item. Uh, you know, we're deeming you as essential. If people are going to be out and about, you know, and they can swing, swing by the brewery, they just can't come inside and they can't get out of their cars. Right. They just do the curbside model. We set up cones and a driveway for them to come through and we put the beer in their trunk or whatever. A lot of people bought kegs. Uh, you know, a lot of people had uh, kegerators that they invested in and said, right. if I'm going to stay at home, I'm going to drink beer. And, uh, that's what they did. They, you know, they, people that would usually buy a six pack or two were buying a case or two. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was me. It, and, and it was a, it was a great way for people to try different beers that they're not normally accustomed to because everybody was out of their normal routine. You know, when, when you're forced to stay home for as long as we did, you know, you're not going to work, you're not driving, you're not, you know, your routine is basically gone. And so you had to come up with a new routine. It's like, well, I'm going to go down to the brewery and get a couple cases. Absolutely. Yeah. We And mix them up. I want to try I them all. mixed them up. We did Singing Frog. We did all of them. And no matter what, my all-time favorite Tanea Creek beer, Bonanza Brown. <laughs> well... Funny thing about that is we've been brewing that since day one, and it's it's one of my favorites too. You know, you you have to uh, go back to you know your 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 founding days and say, okay, well, what got us off the ground, and what you know, how did how did we uh, how did we make it for so many years? And that beer right there has probably been our flagship. It's my favorite. I, a I, lot of people's favorite. I always too. <laughs> i i try the i try the new ones and I try the offline series when I'm in and I try everything and that one's still my favorite. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the offline series, they do get very creative and, and I, I am a fan. There's one that I've been dying to try with grapefruit in it and I can't have grapefruit. So kind of bumps me out a little. <laughs> well, we do others. I know. <laughs> I know. And I've tried those. <laughs> you know, you know it, I don't even know what's coming next. You know, that's like, you see it up on the board and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I got to try that. I hate when I'm in there and then it's, there's just a banner across it that says coming soon. Coming soon. You know, it really pisses off the people from out of town because they're <laughs> just like, I'm not going to be here. Right. <laughs> Can I just try it? Can't you just... like, no. <laughs> so Bonanza Brown is my favorite. What's yours? Well, it is like uh, choosing between your children. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, probably the most straightforward and diplomatic answer I could give to that question is whatever beer that is in front of me at the time. <laughs> and usually these days, especially during the summertime, uh, it's those lighter lagers, you know, yeah. the, the blonde, blonde ales, blonde lagers that, you know, just they're easy to drink and you can have more than one. A nice porch pounder, if you will. Uh, well, you know, like a few years back, in fact, it's been a, been more than a few years. Um, you know, the, the style or the, the description, you know, is lawnmower beer. 
a lot. Yeah, yeah we, we You're do. going outside, you yep. know, you got to do work, chores or whatever, and you have a beer afterwards. It's a lawnmower beer. Yep. Oh, first beer ever. What was your gateway beer? Ever. Well, ever, you're probably going to have to go back to when my dad drank beer and he'd come home from work and he'd, you know, this is back when people read the newspaper and we'd get a, a, an afternoon newspaper. He'd get off of work, come home, sit down in his chair. You know, nobody else could sit there and he'd start reading the newspaper and have a Coors banquet. All right. <laughs> and so I got to try this and you know, that Coors banquet tasted like gold. Uh, I never tasted anything so good in my entire life, short life at the time. <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of those things where, all right, I'm going to hatch a plan where I can get more of these. And, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like an alcoholic, but, you know, beer became my life quickly after that. My dad wasn't a big beer drinker, but my grandpa was. So he drank PBR. PBR is religious. You know, a lot of people swear by it. And, and I'm known to go to the altar myself. but. Um, I think, uh, you know, PBR has a place in history. You know, it it's a brand that is iconic and a lot of people changed hands numerous times, but the label's the same, you know, and everywhere you go, that PBR just stares at you and you know exactly what's in the can. What was your first craft beer? Well, it might have been or, when I was in Salt Lake micro City. Brew. Yeah, they were, it's, <laughs> it's come up with different names and craft right. beer is the one that finally stuck. Yeah. Uh, they're micro brew beers and before that, you had to go to a brew pub, but it's probably Wasatch, you know, up in Park City. When I, right, when yeah. I first moved up to Salt Lake City, you know, went up to Park City just because, you know, the people that I met when I first attended the university were like, oh, you got to go to Park City, especially this time of year. All the leaves are changing and it's beautiful up there. Trees are red and orange and yellow. I was like, all right, I got to see this. And the brew pub in Park City is at the top of Main Street about 7,000 feet elevation. So it's kind of a mountain brewery and almost everything Stunning. about it was like, all right, this place is fabled. Um, went in there. I wasn't even old enough to drink yet, but had one anyways. And um, they made a beer called Autumn Bach. Yep. And it was their seasonal for, you know, and it kind of just like our Oktoberfest, you know, they brewed it around Labor Day and then pushed it out right after that. Cause fall happens up there a lot sooner than it does here so you can imagine they got to get a jump on the season before the snow starts falling and then um yeah that that it was a darker beer mm -hmm. you know and i didn't really know anything about darker beers or even hops at the time but this this bach autumn bach was uh the first craft beer that i've ever had and at three two you know a lot of people are like oh, all right universe or utah has a law where all the beer made in the state has to be 3.2 by weight which is four percent by volume most breweries go by volume now so four percent couldn't make it any more any stronger than that unless you bottled it and packaged it and sold it to the liquor store but if you if you put it on draft and you sold it by the keg had to be four percent they've since raised it to five percent mm -hmm. but back then it was four percent and i had this dark beer at four percent i said god this is it's flavorful you know what's going on here this is way better than the light lager we've been drinking so much of in high school right you know we kept keystone in business <laughs> but um you know that was my first one and it kind of really steered me to the direction i'm in today my first my, my gateway microbrew was pyramid hefeweizen 
very, very popular. In the early nineties. Yeah. We based our Hefeweizen, which we still brew today. I mean, that was the one, one of the first four beers that we made, uh, that Hefeweizen kind of after Widmere, if you're familiar with that brand. Very. Widmere was the one that we wanted to emulate and tried to, uh, make a Hefeweizen taste just like that. You know, it's hard to keep it cloudy, you know, it would clear up. Yeah. We struggle with that for a while, but you know, if you go back in time, you know, the, the Hefeweizen was kind of a, kind of a call, you know, people would ask for a Hefeweizen. They didn't really ask for a brand or anything, uh, but Pyramid and Widmere were the ones that were most popular at the time. All right. Well, I think that will do it for us today. But Tim, thank you so much for stopping by. I'll see you down at the creek and we'll drink a beer. I'm Tracy Bradley, and that's the Thirst Trap Podcast. Produced and edited by Gonzo Greg Spillane for Noise Department. Our theme music is composed and performed by Jose Torres. Please like and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts and share with your friends and associates in the beverage industry, or anybody who drinks things. You can always visit and contact me at thirsttrappodcast.com, and you can find links to all the socials there as well. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!